good to us, and we rejoice this morning in 25 years of great ministry, and uh, also the great uh, influence that this church not only has had, but is having on building other churches in this uh, very needy area. And I'd like to challenge you this morning, it's not a part of my message, but I would like to challenge you that you would uh, faithfully get involved in the church, this church ministry because it's not only effectual here and in your lives, but uh, this is kind of a home church, kind of a home ground for evangelism in this area. And I'm thankful to God to see that uh, this church is still branching out and reaching out to other places, not only in this city, but around the world. And, uh, and this, through its missionary program, being able to give the gospel in countries that uh, most of us have never been in. And that's, uh, that's a great thing, is it not? And uh, you have a privilege of having a part of that. So I would really encourage you to get involved so whenever we celebrate, whenever we celebrate the next 25 years, John and I probably won't be here. But we might. Amen. You never know. But uh, when the celebration is done the next 25 years, uh, you'll be able to say, I really had a part in this. And don't let anything stop you. Get in and serve the Lord and finance the program, help pay the bills, uh, pray for the uh, ministry. You ought to pray for the pastor every day. You ought to pray for the pastor and his family. Because if the devil smites the shepherd, the sheep will flee. You know, right? So pray for your pastor every day. Pray for your role in the ministry of this church. Pray for your kids. Raise your kids up in this church. And, uh, and see that they get involved. And you know what? It pays great dividends. It pays greater dividends than you can get out of putting something in the bank. Uh, I think the interest that you get in the bank is about 1.5% or something like that. That's almost nothing, right? Uh, use your money for 1.5%. Can you imagine that? But uh, it's, a better, it's a better investment of your time and your talents and your money right here in this church and uh, seeing it reach out throughout the world. And someday, when the Lord comes, you'll be able to see a lot of people in heaven, maybe that you had an influence in. Somewhere or another, you'll have an influence in their lives for Jesus Christ. That'll be wonderful. And I'd like to preach about that this morning, if I may, about the Lord coming. And what I want to do is I want to start in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And I don't know where all I'm going to go this morning, but I think it's a, it'll all be related. And uh, I've got my Bible here, and I don't have it marked, so I'll get there about the time you do. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look at uh, uh, verse uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23. Hebrews chapter. Well, let's look at. Uh, let's start in verse 22, and we'll read several verses there. This is what it said, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Amen. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience 
and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as ye see the day approaching. We can see the changing of a lot of things in our lifetime, can we not? I was inviting some people to church uh, the other day, and uh, I was encouraging them, you know, that uh, especially little boy there, I was encouraging him, you can, you can do, you can... You can fulfill all your dreams. And I was leading up to getting in the church and having a place where you can pray and have God answer your prayers. And uh, I said, you know, uh, I, I was a, raised a very poor boy. Where I grew up, we didn't have electricity in the house a lot of times. And uh, my mother, she cooked on a, on a wood stove. And uh, I was in college before my mother ever had uh, water in the house. And I was the last of ten children. And I was talking to him. You know what? It kind of impressed me that, you know, we've gone through a lot of changes in our lifetime, have we not? I mean, everything seems to be becoming more modernized. And, of course, now we have cell phones. And... uh, we used to have the old wind-up phone and a party line. And for many years, we didn't have a phone. The neighbor down the road had a phone. And we made a telephone call. We'd have to go down there and call and then get the operator to tell us the time and charges. And we'd pay them money like a pay phone. You know, things change. And we can see some big changes on the horizon, can we not? I think about, I think about the... Uh, possibilities of war, and and we're going to go to Luke chapter 24 here in a few minutes. But there's big changes coming. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the Holocaust and pictures of the Holocaust in Germany and Poland, Europe during the Second World War. But those kind of things are coming in the future according to Bible promises and prophecies. There's some big changes coming. Now, the Bible says we ought to exhort one another, and we ought to, we ought to be genuinely uh, uh, committed to the Lord's work as we see these days approaching. All right, now turn with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And this is what, what the Bible talks about going to happen in the future. Now, I'm going to not... Read all of it, but it's there, and you can read it yourself later on. But it talks about, in Luke chapter 21, about things happening, like in verse number 9, And you shall hear of wars and commotions. Somebody said there are 40 wars going on right now on the earth. Maybe more than we've ever had before. And our news in America is so controlled... But there's some of them you don't even know about. There's a war in Africa going on right now where four million people have died 
And I doubt if anybody in here knows where it is. We're, 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 we're seeing a lot of things change. I mean, uh, there's uh, wars and commotions. and Oh, there's plenty of commotions, right? And uh, in verse uh, number 10, it says, uh, Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Verse 11, And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places. Yesterday we had another great earthquake in Mexico. Was it yesterday? Yeah, just yesterday. They've had three of them down there just recently. And uh, there's, uh, there's the word pestilence there in that verse. You see it in verse 11? Diseases. Almost uncontrollable diseases. And uh, there's signs in the heavens. And the Bible talks about being persecuted in verse 12. And, uh, and it talks about uh, betrayal in verse 16. It talks about, Ye shall be hated for all men, uh, of all men for my name's sake in verse 17. There, are more, there have been more people killed for Christ in my lifetime than the lifetime of any other person on earth. Can you imagine that? Uh, I mean, more than when they were feeding the Christians to the lions in Rome. More have died in my lifetime as Christians. And there's a lot of martyrs now, right now. There's a lot of people dying for Christ right now. We don't hear much about that. It's a controlled news media. But we took 5,000 Bibles to Mosul, Iraq, which is old Nineveh, and gave them out to the university students where we were able to preach the gospel to 5,000 students for four hours and gave them a Bible and ISIS came in and chopped their heads off because they owned a Bible. Now, you don't hear that. That's not on the news. But that's true. And some of the little girls, and I won't spend too much time on this, but some of the little girls that wouldn't deny Christ, they poured molded lead down their throats in Mosul in the last two years. So, the Bible says, You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. I mean, as you see the days approaching. And when you shall see Jerusalem, in verse 20, And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, then know that the, the desolation thereof is nigh. Well, I'll tell you what, Israel is compassed around with great arms. I hope that you'll read this chapter. And I hope that you'll study it. Okay, now in verse number 34, down to verse 36, is the text for my sermon this morning. And the Bible says this, verse 31, do you have it? It's uh, Luke chapter 21. And verse number 32, Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass away till all all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Now listen to this, verse 34. Take heed to yourselves. That's a good admonition. Somebody said, To thine own self be true. Take heed to yourself. Examine yourself. I mean, if you're going to fool anybody, don't fool yourself. 
But it's easy to fool yourself. You know why? Because you will believe what you say to yourself more than you will believe anybody else. Do you ever talk to yourself? Do you ever see a person talk to themselves? I saw a guy get mad at himself one day and have a fight. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, today you see people walking along the sidewalk and they're just talking, talking, talking. We used to say that person's crazy. Now it's a cell phone. And it's hooked in their ear and you can't see the thing. But, but I mean, how crazy is that? You've got that cell phone on you all the time. Huh? And uh, I mean, uh, you know, if there ever was a time when we ought to examine ourselves... And look ourselves over and see what we're like. It's now, you know. I mean, uh, you might go to the mirror and look in the mirror and say, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the most handsome or most beautiful of all? And think of yourself better than you look. But if the mirror could respond and it'd say, Not you ugly, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Come on, laugh. Uh, but the Bible says, take heed to yourself as you see the days approaching. Now, let me run down the days, okay, before I get on preaching any further. We believe that Jesus is going to come again very soon. We believe that. <laughs> the Bible teaches it. You know what Jesus said? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The Bible said, this same Jesus that is taken up to, uh, from you into heaven will come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. The Lord's going to come back. I believe that. I hope he comes back and gets me out of here before I die. I don't like that idea of dying, do you? Well, a little boy said, Brother Clayton, are you afraid to die? I said, I don't know. I've never done it before. Amen. Old boy said, if I knew where I was going to die, I'd stay away from that place, right? (laughs) I said, I don't mind dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens, right? But uh, you know what? I hope I can I hope I can see the Lord come back and pick me up and take me out of here and I'll never see death. I just don't cabbage to that idea of, of dying, I'm telling you for sure. I don't have any plans to die. I never have had any plans to die. If I would die, it'd come as a surprise. Because I'm looking for the Lord to come. And when the Lord comes, He's going to gather us up. Now, He's going to bring all the saints with Him that are in heaven. They're going to come with Him. Can you imagine how big a bunch that's going to be? Boy, that's a big Baptist church. Amen. And He's going to bring... I mean, my loved ones that have gone on before. My wife and I have a little baby up there. I mean, uh, I've got a mom and daddy up there. Lois and I have got a lot of relatives there. I mean, they're going to be a bunch of Claytons in that outfit, let me tell you. 
You know what I call a meeting like that when there's a lot of Claytons? I call it a Clayton clan commotion. They're going to have a Clayton clan commotion when the Lord comes. He's going to come and He's going to gather us up. Why? I have to watch out. I don't spend too much time on this because this one excites me. I'm going to get a brand new body. Whew. I'm going to take a nice thin one. Thank you very much. Handsome. This brother here's got a picture of me when I was a young preacher. And it looks more like Gregory Peck than it does me, right? But... Uh, Brand new body. Won't that be great? And I'll get off on this here. But the Lord's going to come. And when He comes, He's going to take us up into heaven. And we're going to be up in heaven for seven years. Well, that's going to be a time. The Lord's going to pass out our rewards to us in that seven years. We're going to have times together and feasts and joy and happy and good music. Boy, the music around here has really improved. Brother, you've done doing a great job. I really like that. Wasn't that choir good? That's first class stuff, let me tell you. And he gets that by nature from the Marshall family. I was listening, I was listening the other day to that uh, CD that uh, Jonathan made with the trumpet on it, playing the trumpet or something river. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, I got a pretty good ear for music, and I listened to a group a couple, two or three times. I can hear all their flaws. And I listened to that, and I didn't hear one bad note on the whole CD. I'm telling you, that's great. Well, it's passed on down to you, and I'm getting off on the subject here, but that was great this morning. I, and you, work, you women are, and men are working on it. You don't get music just come falling out of heaven on you. You've got to work for it to get that good. And good for you. You're doing a good job. Oh, where I was I? Where was I? Oh, I was looking for the Lord to come, right? Let me get back on here. The Lord's going to come, and He's going to take us up to heaven, and we're going to be up in heaven for seven years while the world is going through all the problems that it talks about here in Luke chapter 21. And there's going to be wars and wars and rumors of wars and holocausts and dead people everywhere. And the Bible prophesies all these wars. You know, there's some big wars coming. I've been in five war zones. Five of them. I preached where they were fighting, armies fighting just out the door of the church. In the DMZ in Korea. And I'm telling you what, there's some real problems. That, that skirmish with 17 men laying out there dead in the grass after we got through preaching. I mean, uh, fighting out there with war and rumors of war. It, it's not going to be fun. But we're going to be up in heaven having a great time up there with the Lord. Hey, don't miss on that. Don't miss out on that. Whatever you do. Another sermon. And after that's over, we're going to come back to the earth. And we're going to take over the joint. I mean, we're going to take over Washington, D.C. We're going, to, we're going to take over New York State and New York City. And we're going to make this place what it ought to be for a thousand years. All right. I just kind of run that down for you to say we've got something in the future, so we need to take heed to ourselves. Verse 34, you've got it there? 
Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your, uh, your hearts be overcharged. I'll stop there a minute and preach there a minute. Take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be overcharged. You know what happens to a battery when it's overcharged? It burns it up. Don't be burnt out and burnt up in these last days. We need, we need more, more real stability now than any other time in the history of Christianity. Next 25 years, you make sure that you make a mark for God in this church, in this community. And don't let things overcharge you, okay? Now it goes on. Don't be overcharged. And the first thing it says there, if you'll see it, I've got it underlined in my Bible, is the word surfeiting. Don't be overcharged with surfeiting. That, that's an old English word for meaning things like overeating. But it also means any kinds of excesses. Don't be overcharged. Don't get so wrapped up in all kinds of excessive stuff. You can do that. It's so easy to get overcharged and all excessive in some things that don't mount to a hill of beans. One of the most difficult things we have is to evaluate things and situations. We have sometimes, we, we emphasize the things we ought to de-emphasize. Sometimes uh, we get overcharged in things that shouldn't even be charged. You're looking at me. I'll have to give you some illustrations, okay? There are some people, all they can think about is an antique. They'll go to antique sales and they'll hunt around all over the country for antiques. There's nothing wrong with having an antique. My wife has one. It's me. We saw a sign the other day. We buy antiques. I said, look, don't look at that sign. Don't look at that sign. You might want to sell me. Amen. But, you know, it's nothing wrong with having an antique. But don't get overcharged in it. Don't get excessively interested. There's some people excessively interested in sports. Last week, a woman said, Brother Clayton, my husband can't come because he's going to see the Yankees. There's nothing wrong with going to see the Yankees, I don't think. It's been a long time since I've been there. When I was there last, I thought to myself, I'm never coming back here again. But, uh, uh, I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with having some sports. Now, I like to hunt deer. Oh, I shouldn't have told you that. But I... I mean, that's my sport, but I don't let that thing dominate my thinking and my money and my time. I mean, you can get over it. Today you can get so excessively involved in things that you do the good thing and you don't do the best thing. You can do so much good that you watch out you don't get the best one done. Okay, well, anyhow, let me go on. I could preach all day on that, right? Amen? Could you, if you was up here preaching, couldn't you do some talking about that? Amen? Don't get excessively involved in anything. And then it not only says surfeiting, but you'll notice now you've got your verse there. You're looking at it, right? Verse 34. Surfeiting and drunkenness. 
Don't get overcharged in drunkenness. I, I, would, I would say that means escapes. Well, we have a lot of chemical escapes people are involved in today. Amen? Narcotics. A scientist told my wife and I here a while back, he said, if you look at the brain of a person that's taken heroin, you'll see all kind of little black spots in it. He said, that's holes in the brain that that heroin is eaten in there. And now we've got a heroin epidemic in America. I've got my own opinion about that. They should have burned those poppies, uh, those poppy fields in, in Afghanistan down and stopped that heroin to come all over the world. That's my opinion. I'm not in politics. <clears throat> but anyhow, I see that if you don't watch out, you can get involved in trying to find something to escape. People want to escape. That's why people commit suicide. They want to escape the problems of the present. But it's no answer. It's no solution. It's no escape at all. Don't get involved in trying to find escapes through entertainment. Boy, we are crazy about entertainment today. I'm spending too much time on this. Let me get on here. Yeah, don't be overcharged with drunkenness and the cares of this life. And the cares of this life, I would say that would mean don't let the devil exaggerate the problems of the place where you just throw in the towel and quit the fight. Excesses, escapes, exaggerations. These are the last days. We're in, we're in, we're in the wind-up of all of this. And the Bible says this in verse 36. Well, let's look at verse 35, and then I'll read 36. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. It's going to be like a snare, like a, a trap to trap an animal. Or a net to trap a bird or a butterfly. The Bible says there's snares. The devil has got all these snares out there. So what does it say in verse 36? And this is, this is the thing I want to emphasize at last. I finally got here. <coughs> Watch ye therefore and pray always. Look around. Watch. Be honest with the things. I mean, be alert. There's nothing wrong with being smarter than the average bear, right? Yogi was. That's another generation. You don't know anybody. Yogi the bear, do you? He's smarter than the average bear. Us Christians ought to be smarter than anybody. I mean, the devil shouldn't be able to fool us. We've got the book. We've got God. We've got the church. We've got... One of the finest pastors in America. Right here in this church. Well, we ought to watch. And we ought to, we ought to be able to look and see all this message going on. And the, the Bible says, watch ye therefore and pray always. Boy. 
We ought, to, we ought to be people of praying because there's danger around us. I heard about a little boy sitting on the front row and mama on the back row. That's all, usually a mistake. And a little boy on the front row, he was sitting there. He's scratching and looking around, waving at people, kicking his feet on the pew and, and throwing the songbook and Mama knew she's going to have to go get that boy because <laughs> he's going he's to he's disturb everybody in that church. So down the aisle she came. <laughs> uh, she's going to get that boy. And when she got down, she got a hold of his pension place. Now, my mama had a pension place on me. Where it was was none of your business. But when mama got a hold of that pension place, I got to be mama's little good boy real quick, I'm telling you, because I knew it was trouble. And she got him, and she started him out the back door. And he knew that on the other side of that back door, it wasn't going to be patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. He's going to get something on the other side of the door. So he got to the door, and he grabbed the door. Of course, everybody was watching. They wouldn't listen to the preacher. They're all watching. And he looked around, saw everybody looking at him. And he said, help, somebody pray. <laughs> He was in trouble, and he needed some prayer, amen. Well, that's about the situation we're in, amen. We're hanging on, and we're saying, God, help us. Pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape. Boy, God's got all kinds of escapes. One of the best ones, this book I'm preaching out of. Boy, that's an escape. <clears throat> you get in it and really read it. I mean, don't just read it words and see how many words you can read. Uh, people always talk about, I read the Bible through ten times a year or whatever time a year. That, that's okay. I'm not against that. <laughs> but you need to let the book uh, really do something in your heart as you're reading it. And get something specialized. It's all there. There's the wealth of God in this book. It's a supernatural breath of God. And if you let God breathe into you this word, you'll have an escape. God help us. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted to escape all these things that shall come to pass. And listen to this. And to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray that you may be able to escape and that you might stand before the Lord Jesus Christ someday. Oh, yes, I believe He's coming. With all of my heart, I believe He's coming. And it's going to be a glorious day. He's going to take us up into heaven. Oh, you know what it's going to be like up there? There's no death up there. There's no mortuaries because there's no death. Then there's no policemen up there because there's no crime. There's no hospitals up there because there's no sickness. Up in heaven is a place where we'll see Jesus on His throne and we'll see all of our loved ones again. Oh, what a day it's going to be when we 
see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face and all of our loved ones there. Have you got some loved ones in heaven? Some of you took your loved ones out to a cemetery and you buried them under the cold clods of death and decay. I was just thinking about my mother and dad the other day when we were talking about this. One missionary and his wife, uh, she had Alzheimer's and he took care of her right up till the time she died. And 23 days after she died, he died. I just His name was Onzi Wicker. He was a buddy of mine. Boy, I preached in all of his churches in, in Korea. Great ministry for God. Bible college, many churches. He was a great man. And I was thinking, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about my mother and dad. Mama died just three months after my daddy died. Well, and uh, I just want you to turn with me to First Thessalonians. Find it there. It's in the New Testament. You know, just it's just before uh, Timothy. First Thessalonians chapter. Or is it second? Uh, chapter four. Is that it? Am I in the right place? Yeah, chapter 4 and verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Now, you ought to have been able to find that by now since I'm so slow in getting it myself. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord... Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Look at verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Boy, it's a comfort to my heart to think that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come. And I'm going to see my loved ones again. God's going to bring him with him. It says it right there. The Lord's going to bring him with him when he comes. I'm going to see my loved ones again. You know what I hope? I hope that I can see a lot of people there in that group that I've had an influence on their lives, either by winning them to the Lord or preaching the gospel to them. Just a little time ago, I was in Vietnam and went to Ho Chi Minh City, they call it now. It used to be Saigon. We've got five churches pastored by Filipinos in Ho Chi Minh City. Saigon. And I was thinking about that black wall in Washington, D.C., where 50,000 names of young men and young women is there as a memorial for those that died in that Vietnam War that we fought. Lois and I went there some time ago. There's a certain uh, atmosphere about that place. You go there, it's just, 
It's just a different feeling when you walk up there and you see all that black wall and all those names. We were looking for a name of one of Lois's relatives. We finally found it. But Lois said, you know, I preached in Vietnam over the radio during that war. And it was broadcast to the service people, men and women. Lois said, you know, honey, there might be a name here on this wall that got saved under your preaching the gospel in Vietnam. Boy, that went all over me when she said that. And I said, oh, God, let me do that until Jesus comes. Let me be in the fight till Jesus comes. Let me be, let me be serious about this thing and not let exaggerations and, and escapes and, and uh, all kinds of things to keep me from serving the Lord in this last day. Because I want to be able to see some people there that I won to the Lord. When I get to heaven, in that land's affair, when I get there and Jesus is there, and I walk up to glory, in that land's affair, I want to hear somebody say, it was the gospel you preached that brought me here. We've got 25 years in the future now. We want to win everybody we can. We want to fill this church up. We want to finance the work of God around the world. We want to lay up treasures in heaven. And we don't want any little schism to keep us from being what we ought to be in this life. Why? Because this is serious business we're talking about. Winning the lost at any cost. Want to be something. And we get to heaven and see some people there that we had an influence in their life. Some time ago, I got a little note, a little, a little note written out on a piece of paper that was hand-given to me, hand-delivered by someone who was a friend of a little girl that Lois and I used to pick up and take to church. And the note started out, Brother Clayton, you and Mrs. Clayton probably won't remember me, but I'm Nikki. I was a little girl standing on the corner every Sunday morning when you went to church where you picked me up and took me to church. I remembered her right away. And uh, she said, uh, I was in Mrs. Clayton's class, and I learned the little songs of Sunday school, and I, I learned the little stories that, that were taught, was taught me there. And she said, one Sunday, you came, and I wasn't there anymore. Because she said, you see, my mom and daddy divorced, 
And they started passing me around to the family. She said, I'm Greek Orthodox. And she said, they passed me around from one family to another of our relatives. They'd keep me for a while, and it wasn't convenient, so they'd give me to somebody else, and I'd stay there for a while. And then she said, finally, nobody wanted me, and I went to foster homes. And she said, you know what happens to little girls in foster homes sometimes? That happened to me. She said, I went to foster homes to the gutter. And she said, I lived in the gutter, homeless. She said, I woke up in third-class hotels sometimes, not even know what happened to me during the night. And she said, I ended up in Wood, uh, Woodside Hospital in a psychiatric ward in a padded cell. And she said, one Christmas Eve, a group of singers came by singing the old uh, Christmas hymns, Christmas carols. And she said, with the background of what I learned in your church, she said, I got down on my knees in that padded cell, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And she said, it didn't answer all my questions, but it gave me a way to escape. And it solved my problems. It gave me a solution to my problems. And she said, this year, I'm graduating from Bob Jones University with a degree in Christian education. I'm married to a nice man, and we have three little girls. And she said, he's also a graduate of Bob Jones University, and we're going to go into full-time service. Boy, when I get to heaven, I want to see a bunch of little Nickies there. I've had a party. Now you can do that. In the next 25 years, you can do that. You can teach your kids to do that. And you can lay up treasures in heaven greater than anything in this entire world. Wow. The Bible says, be honest with yourself. Take heed to yourself. Because Jesus is coming again. While our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed, I want to pray this morning. And I want to pray for you and with you today. And so I'll need a little bit of help from the audience to know how to pray. How many would say, Brother Clayton, I'm not active involved right now in the Lord's work, but I want to be. Because I want to be an influence in people, and I want to lay up treasures in heaven, and I want to be a blessing to those that need me. I'm not actively involved in the work of the church now, but preacher, I want to be. Pray for me. Would you slip up your hands? How many across the audience? A lot of hands. All right. God bless us. Now God sees your hand. And He's going to hear your prayer this morning. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is right here this morning. And I believe He saw your hand. And I believe He loves you. I believe He cares for you. And I want to, I think He wants to help you and lift you up. 
right today and get you involved. How many here today would say, Preacher, I've got someone on my heart and mind right now that I've been praying for and I've been working with. And I'm, I want to win that person to Christ. Maybe a relative or a friend or somebody you go to school with or somebody you work with. Somebody down the street or in the same apartment. But you're trying to win them to the Lord and you've been praying and you say, Preacher, pray with me about that person. Would you slip up your hand today? Oh, that's a lot of hands. God bless you. You're a good Baptist indeed. God bless you. God knows who you're talking about this morning. He knows right where they are. And He loves them like He loves you. And He's going to work through you. He's going to work through you to get that person. I believe that with all... I believe that as much as I believe I'm standing at this pulpit this morning. Now let me ask you something this morning. How many here would say, Preacher, if the Lord Jesus Christ would come right now, I wouldn't be ready for Him. There's a bunch of stuff in my life I need to get rid of, Preacher. Pray for me this morning. Would you slip up your hands? How many? Hold them up. God bless you. How many would say here today, Preacher, if Jesus would come right now, I wouldn't be ready to meet Him because I've never been born again. I've never been saved. I need my sins forgiven. I need the cleansing power like we sung today of the blood of the Lamb. Jesus died for my sins on the cross and I need all of my sins forgiven, Preacher. Pray for me this morning. How many? Hold it up. Come on now. Just you and me here. You and me and God. That's all. Hold it up this morning. All right, let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. 163. 163. We're going to sing that in a few minutes, but not right now. I'll ask Julia to start playing that beautiful old song. And as she plays it, I'm going to invite you to come down and pray with me this morning. I'm going to invite you to come and pray with me today. You that raised your hands a moment ago, let's fill this whole altar up this morning. Let's talk to God tonight before, or today before we leave. You come and talk with me today. Talk to the Lord. You know what? God will hear your prayer. You can come no matter who you are. You can come to this altar this morning. You can talk to the Lord. You might not have a a big flowery prayer to make at this altar. You may have never knelt at a Baptist altar before, but you can come now and talk to God today. Let's talk to the Lord. Some golden daybreak. Let me sing it through for you. While these are praying, then I'm going to pray. Some glorious morning all will be cease. Some glorious morning, all will be peace. Heartaches all ended, labor all done. Heaven will open, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. 
some golden daybreak battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue, some golden daybreak for me, for you. Let's lift our hearts in prayer with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you'd hear our prayers today. Some of people are praying here this morning for others that they're concerned about. Oh, God, speak to those others this morning. Some are praying here, Lord, for a brand new life to start. An involvement in the next 25 years of this church. Some are praying, Lord... I need to get all the wrong things out of my life and start all over. Some may be praying, Lord Jesus, for salvation this morning. Bless, I pray, in these prayers. Bless in this invitation. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The number is 600 and, I mean 163 in your songbook. 163. I'd like for us all to sing at least one verse of this. If you're here today and you'd like to come and talk to the pastor about church membership or baptism, or you'd like to come and ask how to get saved, how to be born again, we'd take plenty of time. We're not afraid of questions here. We'll answer your questions. We'll read the Bible with you, and you can be born again. We'll take you to a private place where we can talk. You come this morning as we sing this second verse. Sad heart and golden, all shall be bright. Goodbye forever to this dark night. Changed in a moment, like him to be. Oh, glorious daybreak. Jesus, I'll see. Isn't that a beautiful song? Let's sing the chorus. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Some golden daybreak. 